You know, a lot of times we focus on the really sexy things of prepping. Ooh. The gear, the bug out bags, the bug out location, the bug out vehicle, all kinds of things like that. But there's so many more things. In fact, there are things that are not thought about. Oh. And so what we're going to do tonight is talk about eight more underrated prepping items and topics when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello and welcome everybody to Practical Prepping Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us tonight. We want to make an announcement that if you have not signed up for our free email newsletter, please do so. Why don't you email us, drop us a line and say, hey, sign me up and we will get you a newsletter. It comes out twice a month and it's filled with articles and tips and timely information that'll help you on your Practical Prepping Podcast way. So definitely sign up. Go to info at practicalprepping.info and sign up for that bi-weekly newsletter. And speaking of that newsletter, that leads us to our first topic tonight, and that is information. We strive to provide good information to our listeners and to our readers, and we want to be collecting a lot of information. One, we've talked about that prepping binder before. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to be building that prepping binder. And even if it's not in a binder, we need it in a way that we can put our hands on it. One of the things that we need there is emergency contact info. I was talking with someone today, and we were talking about how we don't memorize phone numbers today like we used to. That's true. We don't. And you can't go to the phone book and look them up. (laughs) You say phone book to some young kids today, they have no idea what you're talking about. Well, that would be the thing inside the iPhone. Oh, (laughs) but kids, it used to come out in a paper book Mm -hmm. and you could go in there and you could look up anybody you wanted to's phone number. Yeah, if it was published. Absolutely. And it also gave you their address a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that we don't do. And I was thinking, I think I know by memory three phone numbers. Wow. You know, we used to know dozens when we were kids. Oh, absolutely. And today, we just don't know too many phone numbers. Mm -hmm. So we need that contact info in there in case our phone goes down and we have to borrow someone else's phone. Or in case we have to bug out quickly, like some of the hurricane victims in the Fort Myers, Florida area. You know, some of the preppers down there were able to put their hands on their hard copy Mm -hmm. printed binder and take it with them on the fly so that wherever they wound up, they could get a phone or get access to a computer to email, and they had that binder because their own phones wouldn't be working. And you just mentioned email. I'm not sure how many folks email I really know. Yeah, emails are something I don't think I could ever memorize. Not really. Be hard to do. Another thing that you want there is a frequency chart. We talk about communications. You're talking about ham radio frequency? Ham radio, FRS, GMRS. Right. What? frequency, what radio station provides the best weather info, Mm. what TV station provides the best weather info. So we need to have that. And you mentioned the ham radio. 
There's a chart that is a frequency chart for ham radio, GMRS, FRS, and tells you which ones tend to be the prepper frequencies. Exactly. See, that's what we've said over and over again about buying a like a handheld, and you're going to want to be on a ham radio. To just buy a radio and stick it in a bag does not mean you know how to operate that no. radio. You have to be able to know how to dial up a frequency and what frequencies you're permitted to speak on by licensed authority. Mm-hmm. All right. Another thing is a how-to. And you might want that how-to information on working that radio, but trust me, you need some practice beforehand. You do. You absolutely do. Now, the how-to information, and I still refer to mine even from for an HT, a handy talkie, a handheld that I have had for over 20 years. And so, in fact, I think this is the 21st year that I've had that radio. And I still go to that owner's manual to remember how to do things I've forgotten how to do. Well, it's handy. It really mm-hmm. is. So that's a piece of information that we need. How about instructions for? Yes, like things like turning off the electricity, shutting off the water, turning off your gas, those types of utilities. You know, you want to know how to operate turning those off at your home. I know most of the guys are out there going, I know how to do that. Does your wife do your teenagers? That's where it comes in handy to be written down so that if I'm not here, you are able to do that. Yes, you've got to be able to trust other people with that information at Mm -hmm. some point. Just like Mark said, yeah, Mr. Know-it-all fix-it guy, you might have that knowledge, but you may not be at home when that information is most needed. So. You know, get some training going on with your responsible family members and have them practice that. They may need to actually do that at your house someday or their own house when they grow up. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the formula for purifying water with bleach? There you go. Good question. That's a good one to look up. Mm -hmm. Now, all that information leads us into organization. We need to organize that information, but we also need to organize a lot of other things. Like our food and water preps. Exactly. If we don't have it organized to some degree, we don't know what's there. Yes, about three weeks ago, I went through my own prepper pantry, our prepper pantry. I was looking for something, but while I was in there, I just took the time to say, you know, I'm going to pull everything out and organize by type. And I'm glad that I did because I had lost track of what we actually had, mm-hmm. and I had lost track of, I had overabundantly supplied in certain areas and not in others, and so this caused me to make a new shopping list so that I know how to move in that direction as I add to my prep. So organization of food and water preps, very important. And a lot of folks add the purchase date to that can or to that bag or whatever it is mm-hmm. so that they can look at it at a glance and then take the oldest one as you pull it out. Exactly. And you can, you you need to organize the location of small gear items. Such as flashlights, batteries, that kind of thing. Exactly. And knives and our camping gear and uh, emergency gear that we would need here, our backup cooking stuff. Our emergency lighting. Our emergency Mm -hmm. lighting, our emergency or backup heating. Yeah. We need those things organized 
But there's a lot of things out there that I have in the garage that are prepping oriented and that if we had a serious situation, we would probably need. But I have those in a couple of bins in a particular place. So I know where those are. So we need to be going through and organizing those food preps, our gear, our information. But organization is a very important prepper skill. Now, here's an area that sometimes does get neglected, and that is the socks and shoes department. So often when we're talking about prepping, we have to think about where our feet will be taking us Mm -hmm. and in what conditions. And even military people, folks that are in the military right now or are veterans, they have learned from their base training and and their um, boot camp training about keeping socks and shoes and keeping feet dry and healthy and dry pair of socks. And that's something that a lot of times we do forget sometimes is a clothing prep so that we'll have fresh, dry socks and to change them often and to be wearing the appropriate shoes for whatever our situation is. We need to take care of those feet. And you mentioned the appropriate shoes. How many of you ladies go to work and you're wearing these high heels and you don't have any other shoes in the car? Or how many of you guys are out there wearing your Birkenstock sandals you know, on a warm summer day Mm -hmm. and suddenly the weather turns or the water starts to rise and you don't have appropriate footwear either. So anybody can be caught with the wrong footwear for whatever happens in an emergency. And that's where we've talked about taking that old pair of tennis shoes and putting them in the car. Take that old pair of boots and don't throw them out. Put them in the car. They would be useful if you came to a situation where you had to trek home. Yeah. Imagine if you had to walk through the forest mm-hmm. to get home. You're not going to want to wear your Jimmy Choo's. You know, you're going to wear, you're, you're going to want sneakers or work boots or something that's closed toed and maybe a little high up off the ankle too to save you from getting into briars and brush and yellow jacket nests and all the other types of things as you're traipsing through the woods, you're going to want those feet protected. And another thing you might want to add in there is some mole skin in case you do have blisters. That insulates your skin from whatever it is that's creating the friction, and that friction causes the blister. Oh, absolutely. I got a bad set of blisters this past summer from wearing a brand new pair of shoes that rubbed up against the back of my heel. Mm -hmm. And it actually rubbed it down to where it broke the skin. Mm -hmm. Very uncomfortable. Let's look at glasses or eyewear. Yes, Mark and I both wear glasses. I wear glasses every moment that I'm awake, and I'm really glad that I do because I really need them. And I purposefully have two prescription pairs, so I always have a backup Mm -hmm. pair. Whenever we travel, I take my extra pair with me. You just never know. If you drop a pair of glasses and they break, you're sunk, you know, if you're on prescription like I am. And if you wear contacts, you need to make sure you have plenty of solution. And I would still say with contacts, have a backup pair of glasses, even though my newest pair of old glasses is probably 15 years old. Oh, my. And I have just ordered and just gotten the email that my glasses are in. So I'm getting new glasses and I'm getting prescription glasses and prescription sunglasses and contacts. Now, one thing I've done over the years is when I would take the older lenses out of my eyes, 
I would store them just in case. Now, one thing I learned over the years is that you need to open that case of your backup contacts if you're looking at the older ones every now and then and add solution because those things need to be kept hydrated because they will dry up Uh even in that case. Now, I mentioned that I've got new glasses on the way. Now, I was talking with my optometrist the other day. It was last week when when I had it. And we were talking about some of the things that we might be able to do in like a long-term grid-down situation. And we don't have our glasses. And what we were talking about is for those that are farsighted, we can use readers. Now, readers only go up to about 3.5, I think, in the strength, at least what I've seen in the in the drugstores, and he was the same way. That's about all he's seen. But we talked about being able to double up on that. Now, my eyes, I know, are a plus five. So if I had to, could not have contacts, could not have my glasses, I could wear two pair of 2.5 readers and be able to function fairly well. It'll look funny, but I'd be able to get where I needed to go. Okay. But he doesn't know of an option for nearsighted. And see, that's what I am. I know. I'm severely nearsighted and have astigmatism. And now I am wearing progressive lenses, mm-hmm. which is great because I've got a lens now where I can see far through the top and I can read up close at the bottom. And then there's that mid range there. But I don't know what there would be for a nearsighted. You just, I don't know, magnifying glass. You'd have to use that, I guess. But if at all possible, do consider having backup glasses if you're on prescription. Just on the off chance that your other pair gets lost or broken, at least you're not sunk. Now, here's something that I do, and I have it hanging around my neck right now. It's right there. And you go back to an episode not long ago where we talked about putting all the medical information on a thumb drive and wearing it on a chain. I have that in my hand right now. It has my medical information on it. And on the back side, it has a label that says medical. And the reason it's there, if I'm found unconscious somewhere and they take me to the hospital, they will find it. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're going to take everything else off. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to see that chain and it says medical. So then they're going to plug it in. But I also have scanned a copy of the prescription for my contacts and for my glasses. Very smart. And I was talking with my lens provider. And I said, if we're out of town somewhere, some type of situation, I could probably take that prescription to another lens provider and talk them into selling me one pair of contacts. Yeah, sure. To be able to get home. All right, let's take a short break here for our sponsors, and we'll come back with some great ideas of some things that you really want to be able to prep. Is your website old and tired? I saw one recently that was basically name, address, and phone number. No online shopping, not even an email. It looked like an ad in the phone book back in the 80s. If this describes your website, it's time to call ProLine Digital Group. Eric and his team can bring you into the 2020s with a website makeover or an updated logo or both. Get the most out of your website. Call ProLine Digital Group. Your custom, reliable, innovative solution. Their link from our website. 
Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. If you would like to support us, you can buy us a cup of coffee or you can start your Amazon shopping from our links. Both are on the front of the website. Welcome back. So we're going to continue our topic tonight, and that is some of the underrated or rarely discussed areas of prepping that sometimes Mark and I have even forgotten, quite honestly, and I'm going to say maybe you have too. So let's talk about bug repellent. Yeah, this is one that usually we figure out we forgot it about the second mosquito bite. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You can get the spray on or you can get the rub on. Both are good. And you can get a spray that sprays the area. Like a yard spray. Like a yard spray or as one of the gentlemen does when we do the Yellowhammer horse ride, he goes and he sprays the entire area of the ground where you're going to be working at the different check stations. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to deal with the ants. And a lot of times it takes care of the mosquitoes as well. Terrific. Now, one thing you can do with kids, especially, and we used to do this with our littles, and that was to pin a dryer cloth, one of the fabric softeners. Oh, a dryer sheet. A dryer sheet. We would pin it to the back of their clothes. I never knew about that. And that stuff seems to repel mosquitoes. Incredible. And we'd just pin it to their clothes, and they would just go right on happy, and they didn't get bug bit. How about that? Now, something we have on the patio out here and we'll use when we're sitting out there is citronella candles. Oh, yes. There is a, a citronella herb bush plant mm-hmm. where the extract comes from. And it is very effective. It has a slight lemonish type smell. It's rather pleasant. It's great for outdoors. And it does repel particularly the biting mosquitoes and any of the flying pests that are out there, the gnats and quite a few of the wasps and the bees and bumblebees it just mm-hmm. pretty much if it's a flying bug the citronella candle will take will care of it take care of that now when you're looking at the rub on the spray on that type stuff you're looking the active ingredient is deet and the higher percentage of deet the better the repellent or the stronger the repellent will be but there's a couple of things that we could use we mentioned the dryer sheets have you ever heard of Skin So Soft? Yes, yeah, Skin So Soft is an oil-based product that is sold by the Avon Company. Mm-hmm. It's like a skin conditioner. It's a skin conditioner. It's an oil, and it works great for repelling mosquitoes. Oh, and moisturize your skin, too. And we learned this, actually, from a gas pipeline company that was working down in, and, and they maintain plants down in Louisiana and South Louisiana, where they've got mosquitoes as big as crows. Oh, gosh. And State so, bird, huh? Yeah, they would, they would buy Avon Skin So Soft, and this is not an advertisement for them, but it's a recommendation, I guess, from us that they would buy that by the case for their guys that were working down there. And we started carrying it when we were fishing down on the coast, and it really does work well. How about that? And it can also be used... As a pet supply, we want to remember our pets. Yeah, that's it, the next topic line mm-hmm. is the is uh, prepping for your pet. What all do we need to be looking at when we're talking about prepping for our pets? Well, you know, when you're storing yourself weeks or months worth of food and you've got dogs and cats and birds and fish and whatnot, you've got to consider what 
the weeks and months worth of pet food is going to look like. So you need to store some dry food and some canned or pouch food. Some dogs are also rather omnivorous. So dogs can eat things like green beans and sweet potatoes and carrots. There are certain things they should not eat, such as chocolate or raisins or onions. Uh, Some potatoes even can disturb some dog's digestive system, but pretty much you should be prepping dry food and canned food for your dogs and your cats or whatever your fish and birds and reptiles. You know, if you're feeding reptiles, you're probably going to have to breed your own mice (laughs) to feed them. And I say that because I used to run a pet store and uh, I sold, I don't know, 10 or 20 million mice for my reptile owners. Well, you've got to think about things like that. If you're going to maintain a, a reptile and it eats live mice and you're in a grid down situation, you got to think about that. So, yeah, you mentioned skin so soft. That can actually be applied. I don't know what the case is for cats particularly, but I do know that some dogs can abide having skin so soft applied to their skin for flea control. And I think that to mix it 50-50 with water and just spray it on them. I'm, yeah, and again, I want to reiterate, I'm not certain what the safety level is on cats because cats and dogs cannot just arbitrarily have the same things. Mm-hmm. So I'll look into that and see what would be cat safe. If skin so soft is not, we'll try to find something else. All right. Now let's move on to the next one. And we have often forgotten this and we'll be needing it Saturday. Yes, we're going to band competition. We're going to be watching the grandson out there in the marching band. And so we're going to be taking some sunscreen. And a hat. And a hat. (laughs) Especially where this spot up here on the top of my head now where, uh, I don't know, when you take a picture with it, I think there's a lens problem because it's showing this spot up here in the middle. Is it kind of shiny? It's kind of shiny up Uh, there. So I've gotten where I'll rub some sunscreen on that as well (laughs) because that spot hurts. Yeah. So make sure you have that sunscreen in there. And last but not least, here's an interesting item to think about for prep, and that is beeswax. You know, the research I was doing on this, I think we need to do pretty much an entire episode at some point. If not, we'll do a quick tips on beeswax. Yeah, there's a lot to beeswax. There's a lot. And And I'm minding my own beeswax. And here's, (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh Now, here's just a few things, and... I have found a couple of blocks of beeswax out in your dad's wood shop. And you know why that is? Oh, yes. It's very good with wood. And you can actually use beeswax to condition wood chopping blocks and salad bowls and wooden uh, utensils. You just take a half teaspoon of beeswax and a cup of mineral oil and melt that together and apply that with a clean cloth and rub it in, and it's great for wood. Super. You can also waterproof your shoes with it. I never thought about that. You sure can. Rub it on real good. Use a blow dryer to melt it, and that will cause it to waterproof that material. Now, I was thinking about this in a prepper situation. We may not have electricity. We may not have a blow dryer. But, you know, if you're really, really careful with it, you could do that over an alternative heating source. You could do that over a stove, a camp stove. You're talking about waterproofing the shoes? Waterproofing the shoes, melting that beeswax, but you have to be very, very careful with Uh, it. Yeah, definitely. You can also prevent rust with beeswax. You can rub beeswax onto tools 
and then just remove the excess wax with a clean cloth. And what that does is provide a barrier onto that clean tool to prevent rust from mm-hmm. setting up. It also keeps zippers from sticking. Yeah, that's a bad problem when you've got a sticky zipper. Yeah, especially if it's up and you need it down. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where you can rub some beeswax on both sets of the teeth, and it'll work smooth. Another thing you could use on zippers is pencil lead, graphite. Huh, I didn't you, think You can that. rub it on that zipper, and that will help lubricate it as well. On back to beeswax, you can actually make your own lip balm. And the little recipe for that is to mix some beeswax with some coconut oil or some shea butter and maybe some sort of a safe essential oil. Make sure that it doesn't require a carrier oil. You can't just willy-nilly use any old essential oil. It has to be skin safe or use a carrier. And then you can make your own lip balm. Yeah, and that coconut oil would serve as a carrier oil. Mm -hmm, It would. It really would. And you can buy empty Lip balm tubes. Like a little chapstick Mm -hmm. tube? Now, I think for the cost of them, I'll just buy a few extra. But if we got into a very long-term grid-down situation, we could Mm -hmm. make our own lip balm. You can, you know, you're talking about lubricating zippers before. You can also apply this to any drawers or windows that may be stuck and can't seem to get loose. You know, people have used soap like a bar soap, Mm -hmm. but you can also apply beeswax to the same type of area. And that's why it's in your dad's shop. Uh It makes a great lubricant for wood, not only for things like sticking drawers, but also for creaking furniture. Like a, sometimes there's chairs. Have you ever sat Mm -hmm. in a chair and it goes, because Mm -hmm. the legs or wherever they're joined. Work some, work some beeswax into that and you'll Mm -hmm. cut that out. And there again, you might need to turn that chair upside down, put that wax and heat it with a blow dryer and let that get down in there. Now, last thing we have listed here is make mosquito-repelling candles. You know, you can buy citronella oil. You can, yeah. And if you'll put about eh, up to a quarter teaspoon, it doesn't even have to be that much, maybe an eighth of a teaspoon of citronella oil to one cup of beeswax and melt that together. And put you a wick in there. And let it solidify. And let it solidify. Okay. And that makes a very good homemade citronella candle. Well, there you go. But I think with as much information as we found... We need to come back with a beeswax episode at some point in time. Or maybe all things bee. You know, all just things honey, bee. beeswax, honeycomb, all of those types mm-hmm. of things that nature provides through honeybees, which we are so grateful that nature, that the good Lord created the honeybees, because if we didn't have these pollinators out there working our gardens and our plants and our crops, we would be in sad, sad, sad mm-hmm. shape. So I'm ever so thankful for that mighty little worker, the bee. Yep. And we need to try to take care of them. We we need to be careful with Mm -hmm. the chemicals that we put out and the chemicals that we put onto our garden. And we want to be protecting those little honeybees. And if you know of a local honey producer or someone that is in the honeybee hive business or they make products with their own honey and wax and and beeswax and that sort of thing, please support them. Mm -hmm. Your support with your finances helps them keep their industry going. And we really need that type of thing nowadays. And another thing about that local honey is it's very, very good for allergies. 
If you're eating honey to ward off allergies, you need to be using local honey because that's made with the things in your local area. Exactly. And that helps you build that immunity. Anything else before we go? Well, just think about these eight areas that often go unnoticed or forgotten or probably underserved. They're a bit underrated. So go back through that list and and check your own prep situation because, you know, all kinds of stuff can happen. Please stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.